But when it comes to masculinity, where does that model that you got come from? As I said, we moved to Saudi Arabia when I was a baby, so I spent 20 years in the Middle East. People have lost their grounding. All of the basic pillars that help to keep people sane, stable, have been eroded. It comes back to faith, it comes back to family, it comes back to society, culture. Um, faith doesn't pay my bills. No, but it should morally guide you. Thank you for joining us on the I Wish You New podcast. I'm Adam Lane Smith, and I'm joined today by my friend Sarah Don Moore and someone very special that should need no introduction, but I'm going to intro him just in case somebody out there has been living under a rock and doesn't know him. This is Zuby. I've been following Zuby for a very long time. Zuby has been a personal inspiration to me as a man and as I'm creating, as I'm building. There's a lot of great questions I want to ask this man. So Zuby, could you please introduce yourself and tell the audience what you wish they knew about you? Wow. Well, thanks for the intro, man. I'm honored and humbled. Uh, my name is Zuby. I'm an independent rapper, author, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast, public speaker and coach. I was born in the UK, grew up in Saudi Arabia, went to an American school up until fifth grade and then boarding school in the UK. I'm a graduate from Oxford University where I studied computer science and actually released my very first album. And I've been a full time musician and creative entrepreneur since September 2011. So yeah, coming up on 12 years at this point, I've been doing everything I do full time, self-employed. Uh, it's taken lots of turns, had massive growth over the past four and a half years, really sparked up in 2019. And my mission is to positively impact and inspire as many millions of people as I can through my words and actions. And that has never changed since my late teens. And you have certainly done that in my life. I wanted to have you on today so that I could ask you some of these questions that have been burning in my mind for a couple of years. Please do. And Sarah has some beautiful questions for you as well. The first thing I want to jump into with you is masculinity. Here in the West, we're in a crisis, terrible crisis of masculinity. It's horrible. And one thing that I have loved watching online is that you... You present not an alternative to masculinity, but like a, a resurgence of traditional masculinity, of healthy masculinity. For everybody, everybody out there saying toxic masculinity, men are evil, you don't seem to engage with that. You say, this is who I am. This is what a man is. And this is what a man can be. Mm. Where does that model that you got come from? Does that come from living in several different countries, seeing things that the U.S. doesn't have, that, that the West doesn't have anymore? Where does that come from for you? My first answer is God. <laughs> my second answer is my father and my family. Um, as I said, I've grown up with heavy exposure to lots of different cultures, places, and ways of doing things. Both of my parents are originally from Nigeria. They are, they're Igbo. Um, I'm from an Igbo family. As I said, we moved to Saudi Arabia when I was just a baby, so I spent 20 years living in the Middle East. Um, I've been in both the British and American school systems. I'm a British citizen myself. I was born in the UK. I've lived in the UK for a long time. So I've had heavy exposure to those four different nations and cultures in particular. And then beyond that, at this point, I mean, I've, I've traveled to 40 different countries and over 100 different towns and cities, met well over half a million people in person. I'm not just talking about the internet uh, through my music and everything else I do. I've met hundreds of thousands of people and had at least short conversations with them. 
Um, and then I'm, I'm a Christian as well. I'm a person of faith. I've, I've always believed in God and that's the sort of bedrock of my worldview and my morality. Yes. Like everyone else, I'm influenced by the culture and climate I grow up in and the society and the people around me and everything like that. And I think one of the biggest benefits of having such a broad perspective from my firsthand experience has been sort of being at liberty to cherry pick what I like and discard some of the things that I don't like. So across all of the different countries I've been to, I, there are things that I like and there are things that I dislike. There are things I love about the society and the culture and the way that they do things. And I can sort of pick and choose the things that I think make sense and are pro-social and are generally good for individuals and for families and for societies in general. And then I can throw to the side or criticize or provide an alternative to the things that I don't think are particularly good, nor moral or functional. But when it comes to masculinity, that's a, that's an interesting point because so many people now talk about the crisis of masculinity. I think we're in a lot of different crises right now in the modern West, particularly in the USA, which is the sort of cultural spearhead of it all. And I think a lot of it has just been because people have lost their grounding all of the basic pillars that help to keep people sane and keep individuals and society stable have been eroded through both intentionality and perhaps sometimes unintentional. But either way, the legs are being knocked out of the table. They're being chiseled and chiseled away. And that has a massive impact on everything from male, female gender dynamics for, to people's ability to make sense of things, to societal cohesion and social, um, political, cultural, people being able to understand each other and not be so polarized that they're not just politically polarized, but they're morally polarized. All of those things are just coming fray. And then you throw into that mix, this massive technological shift and digital re revolution that's going on. Yeah. And it's confusing for a lot of people, regardless of their age, whether they're 15, 25, 35, 45, we live in a confusing and increasingly complicated time. And I think on many of those things, we need to go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. So when I look at my own life, I mean, it was kind of interesting you describing me the way you did, because in some ways, am I a traditionally masculine man? In some aspects, yes. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I'm also very modern. I mean, how do people know about me through social media and Twitter and YouTube and podcasts, like all, all of these things. So I very much like embraced all of these new technologies and these things that are going on but I do my best not to lose sight of those pillars. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thank God I'm from a very, very strong and stable family. My parents have been married for almost 50 years. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the youngest of five kids. I have 10 nieces and nephews, so I'm an uncle times 10. Um, I've got friends all over the world, you know, good connections and people who keep me grounded, good morals that keep me grounded. So no matter how much things grow and the world shifts and turns, I can sort of stand stable mm -hmm. in it as the boat is rocking and becoming unmoored from the shore. So that's probably the best way in a bit of a long winded fashion. I can explain it, I that's guess. Wonderful. So there's two pieces there that stood out to me. One is coming from a stable family, having that support, having that love. I'm an attachment specialist. I focus on attachment theory, how we grow up learning to give and receive love, where our safety nets are, that connection piece. So yes, hundred percent with you. 
The second piece, though, that you shared with me back at the beginning was options. You saw things modeled and you knew that you had options of what a man could be. So you got to pick and choose Mm -hmm. the best. You got the best of everything. (laughs) How much do you think it might play a role here in the West is we have very few options. Men don't even know what their options are anymore. Mm. Feminism has eroded. You can't be this, can't be this, can't be this. Men here, you cannot be X, Y, and Z. But how much do you think they hear what you can be? Do you know what's interesting? I have the almost an opposite diagnosis. Let's do it. I think that there are so many choices offered to men and women that it confuses people, Ah, right? If someone just gives us a ball and they're like, play. And we're like, well, (laughs) what, what game are we playing? Are we playing basketball, football, British or American version of football or Australian version? Are we, can I kick? Can I throw? Can we pick like, what, what are the rules? Mm. So actually, if you just give people infinite options. If someone gives you a a menu at a restaurant and it's, you know, the size of the Bible and they're like, okay, what do you want to eat? You're, you've got this analysis paralysis. You don't know what to do. So there's this sort of paradox of choice where you can have so many options open to you and so many different ideas floating out there that you, you don't, you don't know what to do and it becomes harder to make a good decision. And I think that's actually where we are. I think in the past, it was very clear if you're a boy growing up to be a man, if you're a girl growing up to be a woman, it was very, very clear in every single society and culture and nation what your role is, mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You're a man growing up in whether it's the 1920s or the 1820s or the stuff. It was very clear like what your job is as a man, mm-hmm. right? Someone could say, oh, there weren't enough choices. There weren't enough options. People were oppressed, this and this. Um, but the reality is it was, it was very simple. It was very simple, you know, you, you protect, you provide, you look after yourself, your family, your tribe, you just do these basic things. You'll be able to attract a woman. Everyone gets married. You have a wife. Everyone has their wife. You have children. You raise your children. You fight against the elements and the enemies if you need to, so on. Very simple, very straightforward. Basic battle to survive against the nature, against famine, against other tribes, wh- whatever it may have been. For, for women, it was very simple as well, right? Your primary role, you, you get married, you have a husband, you raise children, you look after the kids, um, you look after the home, you help with the various tasks, maybe you help on the farm, you do this, you do that. And then in the past under 100 years, it's all just, it's, it's all opened up. And there's many benefits that have come with that. But I think there have also come many, many challenges because the natural polarity and necessity between men and women has been for the first time, I'd say in all of human history, perhaps, has been inverted. Mm. You now have people questioning. You've got millions of young women out there literally asking the question, why do I need a man? Do I do I need a man? Is this what's the point of what's the point of this? What's the point of marriage? Should I even have children? Right. All these questions. These are these are new questions. As a man, you've got men kind of doing the same. Like, do I need a woman? If I need a woman, why just one? Why not have a whole bunch of them? Um, What's the point of marriage? What's What's the purpose of this? Should I even have children? They're expensive. There's this. There's this. So in the past, we didn't look in the past. Let's be let's let's make it really simple. In the past, if you even wanted to have sex, you're going to you're going to become a father or mother, whether or not you want to be right. So, okay form a family, get married, have us together. And so it was very clear. Now you've detached, you've detached the, it's like everything's become detached from one another. So something weird has happened where sex, family, marriage, children, parenting, all of these things have become somewhat 
detached and disassociated from each other, whereas they used to really kind of just come in a clear package altogether. And this is causing a lot of confusion and a lot of <laughs> a lot of bad behavior and a lot of downstream problems for both men, women and society as a whole. And what's interesting about it is, you know, again, coming back to that paradox of choice is by I mean, I, I always take polls with a grain of salt, but according to the polls and studies and things that exist out there, people are becoming in decreasingly happy. People are becoming increasingly lonely, increasingly isolated, more depression, yeah. more anxiety, more concerns about all of these things. So it doesn't seem to be the case that actually by giving people all of these infinite options where you can literally scroll through human beings like a catalog on various apps, or you can just swipe left, right, hook up with all these people, whatever. Um, there, it's, it's not making people happier. And it's not making people better off. And I think at this point, it's it's quite clear that the experiment has run at least since the 1960s. And we've seen the actual impact that it's having. So we're at a very strange point in society, I think, in many ways at the you know, we're still at the early stage of a new century and um, it can go in all sorts of different directions. We can have a return to some type of traditionality and people going back to men embracing masculinity, women embracing femininity, people embracing, you know, marriage and the family dynamic and everything like that. We could just go into, uh, you know, an increasingly sort of paganistic culture where we end up going back to polygamy, where if you're a man at the top, yeah, why not? You know, you've got your 20 women and, you know, your concubines and everything. And if you're a man who's not towards the top of the sort of social hierarchy or financial hierarchy, you know, you're kind of struggling for crumbs or maybe you've got your AI robot girlfriend or what it, it sounds, it sounds facetious, yeah. but it's, I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious, right? You've already got AI influencers and AI only fans models, only fans itself is very weird and the normalization of that. So I don't know, man, I don't know. I just think we're in a very weird time. Well, uh, let me kind of paint a bit of a picture since I'm the woman here on Let's this go. panel. Um, because I think that you said quite a bit and, you know, I, I can't speak to the fact that our mothers were entirely that happy with the situation either. Oh, mine was, but I don't know about everyone else's. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, I think what we're facing is that, you know, there were actually very high rates of addiction with housewives, with women who were staying home, who were addicted to methamphetamines, um, benzodiazepines, like we've had drugs pulled from the market because women weren't necessarily happy in that role either. So can I, can I ask something quick? Yeah. Are you, are you talking specifically the USA? Specifically the USA okay. from what I know of. Yeah. And, and that again, we can get okay. into cultures, sure, which sure. would be great to know. Um, so where I think feminism has played a role and I will only speak kind of anecdotally from what I saw with, with my mother and how that happened. Right. So I think what we're seeing is a culture of women who wanted to give their daughters other opportunities than what they particularly had. Mm -hmm. So my mother and my father passed away. She had to go back to work. She didn't have a degree. She didn't have any skills. Her job was to be a mom and life got really, really hard for her. So at that point, her options were to raise a daughter with the notion of, I don't want this to happen to you. Mm -hmm. So go get your education 
go get your job, go get your money so that if something does happen and, and you don't have to be completely reliant on a man yep. to really to, to survive. Right. So I think that we are now we may have over corrected a bit because we're, we have the boss bitches and a lot of us really didn't have fathers to, to model mm -hmm. like what is really truly strong masculinity. Mm -hmm. So now we're chasing kind of some of the, the fake masculinity. We're chasing all the chads that we're trying to find our love and that these, a bunch of women, my age and women younger than, than me. Um, so I'm not sure what your opinion is on, on maybe in the U S how we kind of have best of both worlds. How yeah. does a woman, assert her independence, you know, bring home her bag, but also support a man, but also, you know, be educated mm -hmm. because we know there are other places in the country or in the world that women are not educated and we see the ramifications of that. So what would be your utopia in a, in a perfect world? That's a fantastic question. I'd like to talk a little bit about our sponsor today, Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply, because men, there are two types of men in this world. One, the man who takes care of himself or the other man that expects a woman to take care of him. And you don't wanna be the latter. So pick up these supplies. It is a full grooming set. They smell amazing. They smell like masculinity and you won't regret it. It is a full line of products, a full suite from everything from head to toe, what you need to bring out the best in you. Um, because I'm not a utopian thinker at all, but I do know what my new utopia is. My utopia is politically very libertarian. My utopia would be a world or a society or a nation where you have very few hard governmental and state laws beyond the basics. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt, right? Um, but people have such strong religious, social, cultural, familial values and principles that that is the primary code that they're living by, right? So you don't need the government and the state and everything to create all of these mandatory laws on people, but people have enough guidance to behave well because all of the other things that influence your behavior guide you to behave well. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that actually the vast majority of people that's already what guides us. Everyone in this room, we do not, we, 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 are not all, we are not criminals just because of the laws, right? The reason I don't steal or I don't mug people or I don't assault people or whatever is not primarily because there's a law on the books in Arizona or in the USA or in the UK saying I can't do those things. It's because in my core and with the way I was raised in my family, in my religion, in my social groups and everything, those are all big no-nos. Mm -hmm. I know it's written on my heart, I should not do those things. So my utopia would be where everyone has that, but um, you have massive liberty. So you, you can see this is this is interesting because we're here in the U, in the USA, which is, um, you know, an extraordinarily unique country in many ways. And it's funny with the amendments because everyone knows the first and the second. So let's talk about the first and the second. Right. This is the best example. So I think the first and second amendments are correct. Right. I think that f your right to free speech and freedom of expression is from God. It's, in, it's enshrined from God as part of natural law. 
right? If you were just stuck on a desert island, you would have the right to free speech. Mm. No one has to give it to you or it doesn't require anyone's labor. Um, however, with every right comes a responsibility. So I would say, yeah, we all have freedom of speech. It's not illegal for me to say something horrible to somebody in this room or outside of this room. But again, I don't do it because of my own moral convictions. There's no law saying I have the you have the right to be really, really nasty to people and say really horrible things, but you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the point. Um, Second Amendment, that's a big one. And this is, causes a lot of conflict when you know, I travel all over and people have such differing views around the world. You know, people think, so outside the USA, most people think it's crazy that Americans can just own firearms, mm -hmm. right? Um, and in a very moral society, it is absolutely the right thing, right? Because cool, you have a right to bear arms, but with that comes a giant responsibility. You have the right to own a gun or many guns. You don't have a right to assault people and shoot people and murder people and all of these things. But if you break down all of those pillars, as I was saying, that keep people behaving well, you break down the family, you break down religion, you break down the social and cultural values, the media is propagating nonsense, you break down and attack all of these things, and then you have this level of freedom, that's when you get the chaos. Because now you have, okay, hey, you can go out and you can, you've got all these tools and you can cause all this destruction and there's nothing hemming you and keeping you in. And that's why you get in certain pockets of the country, in certain pockets, in certain cities, you see what that, you see the end result of that. Mm -hmm. And naturally people's gut reaction is, okay, we need to restrict the rights, right? We need to restrict the firearms. We need to get rid of the second amendment. We need to ban guns. We need to do this. We need to do that because they don't want to have the conversation about those pillars. They don't want to talk about the absence of fathers. They don't want to talk about the breakdown of family. They don't want to talk about the breakdown of values and morals. They're not thinking what is going on that increasing numbers of young people, especially young men, especially, let's say between 14 and 25, who probably are doing the vast majority of the killing. Pretty sure of that. Um, what's going on in those places, in those communities, in those areas that's causing this? The question isn't you know, how many, how many bullets should be allowed in a magazine or this or this. The question is what's going on in our society and culture that's incre that's producing increasing numbers of people who want to kill themselves or others. Cause we all have access to deadly weapons, mm -hmm. even where I'm from in the UK, everyone's got access to deadly weapons. We all have blunt objects. We have fists, we have knives, we have motor vehicles. If you, in your heart of hearts, are like, hey, I want to go out and cause some damage and hurt some people, we all have the means to. And I, I think it's such an, I think with a lot of questions, it's good to ask almost the opposite, right? It's because people are always like, you know, why are people doing this? Why are people, you know, why are people, why do people do drugs? Why are people uh, attacking and killing each other and robbing? Why are people doing, I think a great question is, why are most people not? And I think that comes back to the original thing as I was saying of like how we actually regulate our own behavior and behavior in our communities outside of just having to go to politicians and the government and the state for everything to to treat us like we're children. So one thing I hear there is we should be less focused on how many rounds are in a magazine and more focused on how many fathers are in the home. Clip that bars. Yeah, <laughs> bars. Exactly that. How exactly. Do we, that. How do we get fathers back in the home? Wow. When it seems especially here. Yeah, I know here in the U.S., a lot of people say fathers are disincentivized to be in the home, mm. don't get married. But the research shows kids do best in a of marriage. Course. So in your experience and, and you as a man, mm. what do you think is an answer to get men back to the table or do men need to come back to the table? Is there an men absolutely need to come back to the table. Okay. Um, 
Look, with most human behavior, it's a question of incentives. If you incentivize any behavior that you incentivize, you're going to get more of. Any behavior you disincentivize, you're, you're going to get less of, right? We, we all know this. Every single human being responds to incentives. And the truth is from, you know, again, from all these different angles, the incentive structures have been perverted and have been broken down over, over the decades. Um, this is true at multiple levels. And look, it's not, I think it's important to not paint this totally bleak picture as if like everyone in this country or everyone in the world or whatever, like it's all crumbling and everyone's lost their morals. Mm -hmm. No, most marriages last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for people to remember that. Like most 65% of first marriages here in the US. Yeah. Yeah. And on a global level, it's, I don't know the number globally, but I would estimate it's over 70% of marriages last a lifetime. So I think it's when people are, oh, marriage is a failed institution and this and that. I think it's important for people to, you know, get off the internet and actually <laughs> look, expand their scope globally and be, you know, somewhere like India has a under 5% divorce rate, right? And they've, they've got the biggest population in the whole world. Um, so I think it's just a matter of incentives. I think you have to look at each different level. I think you have to, it, it, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer because the truth is it's not a simple answer. It's not, it's not something, oh, you just create this policy and cool, you fixed it. This is something that's taken many, many decades to get to where it is now. And it's going to be a generational thing. It's going to be a generational thing to fix. Um, I think a good place to start would be to look at places and look at communities and look at groups of people who are doing well and getting good results and things are going well and to see what it is that they're, that they're doing right. Um, you can do this on a national scale, on a state scale. I mean, even within a single state, you could look at the stat. Okay, look at all the different counties, look at the different areas. You can have very, very different statistics on all of these things. And you can just see, okay, what is, what is working and why is it working? What are the beliefs that these people have? Like, look, look, look at the people where this is all going great. Look at the people where it's going really badly and see, okay, what are the, what are the things that they're doing or they're not doing. Um, some of them I think would be quite predictable and obvious. Some of them you, you, may, you may be surprised by and be like, oh, that's interesting. That's something we should look at. But I think in, in a single sentence, I think it has to be made cool. Made I cool to be a father? Yes. Yeah. Everything that is pro-social and is pro-family and we want to encourage of and have more of, it has to be made cooler than the, op, than the alternatives. Yeah. Because in, in any group, in any community, in any place, especially when it comes to young people, what they see modeled and what they think is cool or aspirational, you're going to get more of that. If you have a community where it is cooler to go to prison than it is to get a degree, or you have a community where it's cooler for a man to have five kids from five different women than to have five kids from one woman, if that is what's perceived cool, like you're going, you're just going to get more of those things, yeah. right? If it, if think people think it's cool to, okay, you know, live this degenerate life then, and that's what they see modeled, you get more of it. If you think it actually, oh no, the cool thing is to do this. If I look at my own family, I'm, I'm blessed to be from like, I'm from a really big family. Um, you know, my dad is one of 11. My mom is like one of seven. Like I've got over 50 first cousins. Like my, my family is gigantic and Everyone gets married, everyone has kids, everyone does this, it all works. So I'm like, cool, like, that's what I'm gonna do. This is what I was raised in, 
it's awesome. I, I love the dynamic. Great. My brothers and sisters, they're all older than me. They're all married. They've all got kids. I'm like, cool. This is what I want to do. That's it. Simple. Um, this is what the book tells me to do. This is what I'm seeing doing. This is what works. Everyone I know who's happiest, like truly in the con in consensus, this is the model they've all followed. So I, I have great visibility of that, but I'm very, very conscious that there are millions of people, sadly, and that number is increasing who do not. They haven't seen that. So why would you, why would we expect them to think that that is possible or think that that's the thing to aspire to, whatever, if they themselves haven't seen it. And perhaps if that is not even incentivized in the place and in the community that they How are in. How do you incentivize women to empower men then? And, or let me ask another question. Mm. How do you make it not cool for a woman to make whores of money online, on the internet, whether it's OnlyFans mm. or YouTube or whatever, and potentially be saving her family from a lifetime of poverty mm. for the next hundred years. Yeah. How is that not cool? Like how sure. do we have a right to say what is moral and not moral when she is potentially saving a whole village of people? Well, I think we all have a right to say what we believe is moral and what is not moral. Mm -hmm. Firstly, um, I would also say that the situation you've described, I mean, if you're going to talk only fans, then that's under 1% of the women who are even doing that, mm -hmm. that that is a realistic story, mm -hmm. right? 99% of them, they're not making some generational wealth or anything like that. And it's diluted for them to even think that they are. Mm. And I think it's important to even frame that because people have this idea that, oh, I'm just going to jump on this OnlyFans thing and I'm going to make hundreds of thousands per month and I'm going to set up my whole family and whatever, you know, um, you know, in those rare cases where someone's actually been able to do that, then I would say, yeah, you know, there's more of a in terms, if we're looking at overall pros and cons, then there's more of a conversation to be to be had there. Um, but I think that it comes back to, man, I, I just think it always comes back to the same basic pillars. It comes back to faith. It comes back to family. It comes back to society, culture. Um, but faith doesn't pay my bills. No, but it should morally guide you. Mm -hmm. And there's more to life than just money. You have a soul, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of there's a lot of things I could do to make money. <laughs> that are that are unethical and are immoral and are shady and whatever. And if I'm just like, yeah, well, I'm making money. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm selling drugs or I'm doing this or I'm, do you know, it's like, and I'm making money. It's like, well, you know, there's, I'm not going to quote scripture right now, but you know, like th there's more to, there's more to life than just making money. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the problem that that isn't even obvious is part of a problem maybe. Right. Cause, well, cause I so many things for people just come back to, okay, well, that person's getting their money and there's, it's like, okay, yeah, but you know, people have always made money in all sorts of ways, ethical, unethical, shady, unshady. Um, but I, you know, I, th I think those conversations need to be, need to be had. I think we, we need to come back to those basics. I mean, all through human history, like, you know, prostitution has always existed. Mm -hmm. It's never been uh, smiled at or normalized or thought that, Hey, that's just something that like, an average normal girl or woman should be getting involved in it always it's always been shamed it's always been stigmatized and a man who is engaging in it as well right that's never been something that you know a guy wants to be the the guy who's known for you know constantly being in the brothel or whatever it is right these things have shame attached to them not just for you as an individual but to your family name and maybe with the breakdown of family this is another thing that's happened because when I'm doing things, when I'm operating in the world, it's not just about me. It's not just selfish, 
right? There's a family that's attached to me. There's a future family that's attached to me. I'm going to bring children into this world, right? If I'm going out there and I'm behaving in a certain way and I'm saying certain things and I'm doing all this, look, for the first time in human history, like our children, our grandchildren are going to be seeing they're going to listen to this podcast. They're going to be <laughs> everything we're putting out there. Like our, our descendants are, are going to be seeing. So people should think about that. People should think about that and think, okay, all right. Maybe in the very short term, selfishly, this is something that might benefit me, but what are the long term ramifications and consequences of this? And I, I think oftentimes people don't really, people don't think this through, you know? Um, and it's not, uh, and I, I'm also, I want to make it clear. Like I'm not even talking about, we live in a very imperfect world and we, and we always have, but I think it's important to have, it's important to have standards and things that we aim for recognizing that, look, not everyone is going to achieve the standard, right? Physical fitness. We, there's a, a lot of people are not meeting the bar of physical fitness and a healthy body weight and, you know, physical strength and flexibility and all of these things. It doesn't mean that that standard doesn't exist. It doesn't mean, okay, just there's because there's people who want to just abolish the standard now. Hey, you can be healthy at any size. You know, fat is beautiful. Let's throw obese women on the cover of magazines, whatever. That's just as beautiful as a woman who's in shape. It's like, no, it's not. Mm. It's not. And it's wrong to promote that because you're lying and it's perverse. And actually you're harming people. If you're going around and preaching to women that, hey, you can be morbidly obese and you're still beautiful and attractive and healthy, you're literally sending them a message that's going to cut their life short. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, you've got the, you've got the freedom to get as fat as you want to, mm. but that doesn't mean you should. Mm. So this comes back to the idea about my utopia. It's like, look, you're free to do the vast majority of things, but it doesn't mean that you should. I think I'm just trying to paint the perspective, be devil's advocate a little bit as yeah, far please as, do. It's you good. know, just kind of from a woman's perspective mm. that I think that we, we would love if there were more masculine men. Yes. We would love if there was more fathers in the home. We didn't choose to have our fathers not be around. Yeah. Some of us, you know, lost yep. our fathers. Some of, some of them left. I mean, we're kind of, you're, unfortunately, your generation is kind of filling a void. Yeah. And women are lacking of trust, yeah. I uh, think, in general of men. Yes. So we, we, there's this war of the sexes and it's really hard to kind mm -hmm. of, not place blame, but where do we start first? Yeah. I mean, women are, are hurting and luckily I'm, I'm very healed. I've, you know, I have brothers. I love yeah. men. I'm surrounded by men all the time. I've been able to really heal the wounds and be able to teach that now, but there's a lot of women who are still really, really hurting and have been yeah. hurt. So how do we, yeah. how do we give them the faith yeah. right in relationship that they need to want to trust, to be in the home? I, I mean, you've heard the studies. I've, we all listen to the same podcast. You've yeah. seen women say, we want our men to rise up. We want mm -hmm. to be able to stay home and have a family. But there's a lot of women that just don't feel that that is possible well, or plausible. And to that point, so I've got four kids. My wife and I have number five on the way. Right amazing, now. man. So Congrats. We're, we're popping out as many as we can. Yeah. I'm trying to slim down and get healthy. So I'm there for my, my great grandkids because I want to play with all of them. Let's go. So one thing that's fascinating to me is as, as my voice has grown online, as I've been chasing you a little bit, trying to be more of a creator, <laughs> um, as, as my numbers go up, I talk and I say like, hey, my favorite part of my day is when I sit down with one of my kids, and I teach them something. Yeah. And the audience goes nuts and they say, I've never heard this before. Is this how fatherhood is? Because yep. we grew up in the era of Homer Simpson fathers. Mm -hmm. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You're just a paycheck. Fatherhood is worthless. You, you said this a moment ago. We don't see fatherhood as being cool anymore. Yep. 
Do you think that could be a piece of it? Get women massively, dude. I th I think what you've just said is incredibly important. I think you underestimate how important it is for you to even say things like that, mm. because a lot of young men are not seeing. The, here, one of the one of the problems with the internet is actually the most the vast majority of people who are in happy marriages, have stable homes, have their kids, whatever. They're not on Twitter. They're not on Instagram. They're not on YouTube. Like they're not out there doing all this stuff and talking about it. And I fully understand that. And I get that. Look, not everyone wants to be a social media influencer. People like to have their privacy, especially when it comes to their wife, their children, all of these things and whatever. But I can tell you that nothing makes me want to be a father more than seeing my brothers, my friends, my people around me, people online, like you saying like, yeah, I've got four kids, I've got my fifth on the way. I'm like, man, that's lit. Like, you know, you might be looking at me like, man, I wanna get, I wanna get in better shape. I'm like, man, I wanna have five kids too. I wanna, you, you see, so we, we influence each other. Yeah. Right. It rubs off. But if you were there saying like, oh, like marriage sucks, this is the worst thing I've been, you know, telling guys like guys don't do it. Don't do this. Like my kids are the kids are the bane of my life. They're waking me up all the time. I just had to do this. Right. You get the, it, that also impacts people. Yeah. And I don't think people recognize just how much we all influence each other. So when people are constantly hearing, look, kids are going to ruin your life. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. It, it, it's, it's not harmless. Like it does make people go. Ugh, you know what, actually, you know, and, and I think that because the thing is, I, I don't know, because there, there there's truth to there's elements of truth to all of it. Sure. Right. Yes. I, I'm not a child. I'm not a sorry. I'm not a father yet. But um, I know from being an uncle times 10 and seeing lots of people go through the pro like I know having kids is simultaneously wonderful and makes people super joyous and makes people super stressed and tired or like it's it's all true it's like it's all of these things together but when people are only hearing look these are the cons these are the negatives these are the downsides to it all then it makes people very rationally go you know what i don't want to do that or if i let me let me massively delay it let me push it back um and then and then it leads to more issues uh coming back to your point i absolutely agree and have made that point myself that i do understand where the sort of modern female mindset of that, that kind of go get her. I want to be, I want to be a boss girl. I don't need a man. Like I totally get where it comes from. Mm -hmm. I think we, we have to remember that we're living in a time, even just in this country where unfortunately, you know, I'd say probably at least a hundred million people, um, you know, probably at least a third of the population are coming from some type of broken or disordered home. Mm -hmm. Right. So there are millions of young men out there who have never seen fatherhood modeled well yeah. or seeing, you know, being a husband modeled well. There are millions of women who have not, you know, their father either was either he just bounced or they don't know him or there was some type of abuse going on or whatever. And I can fully understand why they'd be like, look, I don't want to put myself in a position where I absolutely need to rely on a man. And if I had if I, if I had a daughter, I would want, I'm not, I would want her to be educated. I would want her to be competent. I would want her to have the ability. So, you know, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, like let's ban women going to university or like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to restrict people's, you know, fundamental rights and ability to make choices. However, being competent on your own doesn't mean that you don't need anyone else, let alone someone of the opposite sex. I'm extremely competent. I don't, I don't technically need a woman to survive. 
right? Like I can live my life until for many, many decades and financially and so I'm fine, right? But <laughs> I'm missing at least half of the possibility of life if I choose that path. If I decide, okay, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. I'm never going to, I'm just closing off. I'm, I'm not just deciding I'm not going to be a father. I'm deciding I'm never going to be a grandfather. I'm deciding that when I'm 70, 80 years old and I've got all my millions of dollars or pounds and I'm sitting there, oh, great. What, what am I going to be? You don't want to be the old guy in the club who's there still trying to pull, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, I, I think a big problem in our society is um, I think people don't really think past the age of 40, mm. especially when, when I talk to young people and maybe I've been here myself. People think of life up until maybe 40, 40-ish, right? So you talk to someone who's 20, whether it's a guy or a girl, and they're thinking just of that. They're not thinking of like, okay, what am I going to do between 40 and 90? And everyone I know who's in that age range, especially let's say 50 to 90, the thing that gives them joy and contentedness and a sense of purpose and meaning and everything, it's their family. It's their family. It's not their even super accomplished people. It's not, you know, their career. Career's cool, you know, money's cool, but once you've got a certain point, it's like, okay, cool. Like what am I what do I do with do I just keep more, more, more? Like how much stuff do you need? Don't you want to share those resources with other people? Don't you want to help invest, create something for generations, create that legacy? Um, and I think to most people around the world, all of this stuff, it's it's funny. Cause around most of the world, and I know this because I travel all the time and the culture I'm from, all of this stuff is really obvious. And it's always been obvious. For thousands and thousands of years, people have done it for a reason, right? And now we have the option to, it's funny, we, we have the luxury mm-hmm. of even having the option to like pontificate about these ideas and to think, hmm, maybe we should rethink this whole thing. Maybe, you know what? Let, Maybe there aren't even men and women. Maybe maybe we need to rethink the entire, right? Like, like around the world, they're not having this conversation in, in China, in Japan, in Africa, across the Middle East, like in South America. They're not having this conversation of how many genders are there and pronouns and do men actually need women? Do women actually need men? They're just like, all of this stuff is goofy. They're, they're like, what are you guys even talking about? What do they about? think about us? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Man, I've been. Um, what do they do instead? That's what a great question. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, just in the past six months, I mean, I've been to I've been to UAE. I've been to Qatar. I've been to South Africa. I've been to Nigeria. I've been to Malaysia. I've been to uh, Thailand. And when I do talk to people about some of this stuff, people who are from there, um, there's a big level of disbelief. Like people don't even believe some of the things they're just like, what, what, like what, I mean, did you guys see the Matt Walsh documentary? What is a woman? Mm-hmm. And you know, when he goes to the tribe in, tribe in, in Kenya and yeah. he's, he's even just trying to explain the concept and they're just like, what are you? The, 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 the <laughs> translation. He's like yeah. lost in translation. Yeah. He's like, yeah, me too. I yeah. am too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's confusing. Right. I mean, I had this uh, viral tweet in back in 2019, I'm sure you saw, you know, where I identified as a woman and I broke I the British women's deadlift record and to people in the UK and US and Canada and Australia, it was hilarious to some people in many parts of the world. They were like, I don't get it. Mm. They're like, what do you mean you identified as a woman? What does that even mean? Mm. They're like, you're a man. Like, so the humor didn't even land with some people. Cause they're like, I don't even get what this means. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, no one is saying that men are the same as women. What is identifying as a woman? You're like, you have to even have the cultural context mm-hmm. to explain that. If I, if I showed you that tweet in 2005, you probably wouldn't have understood it. Oh yeah. Right. You would have been like, what? What, what, what's the context for this? What, what does this even mean? 
Um, so this kind of shows just how unmoored we've become from reality itself. And I think that when you forget, or just when you forget all of these basics, or when you act like they don't exist, or you delude yourself to believe they don't exist, you, you always get problems because biologically we are, we're the same as our ancestors, right? We, we have the same, we're in a new context and we have new technology, but we have the same fundamental needs and desires. And, you know, you've got the sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You've got the basic stuff at the bottom, you know, food, shelter, water, and so on. Mm -hmm. But then higher up, you have things that people want. You know, people want attention. People do want love. People do want a relationship. People want, you know, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose and all of these things. And, you know, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, you can still get and do all of these things in the traditional way that it's been done for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And in my observation, the people who tend to opt more for that route, at least in part, um, do tend to be happier and more content. And there's even studies showing that if you're someone who wants to take a different, you know, totally different approach and try to sort of reinvent the wheel, um, you can, and it'll work for some people. Um, but the truth is guys, how you look is incredibly important. You've been listening to Tanner talk about this, but what I want you to look at next is your face in the mirror. What does your beard say? What's your skin say? What does everything about you say? Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply makes you say, I'm a man who takes myself seriously. So check out Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply if you want to be a man of power. But the truth is, we shouldn't base everything on exceptions. We should always accommodate exceptions within reason. But just because the, someone knows some guy or some woman who's 60 years old and never got married and never had kids and whatever, and they're totally happy and they're healthy, right? that's not the norm. I know those people exist, but if you were to say that that's the thing to aspire to, or that's the thing that's going to make most people happy, then you're, again, you're doing a big disservice to people. You're just, you just end up with a lot of people who several decades from now, they're miserable and they're angry and they feel like they got lied to and they were sold, you know, they were psyoped into this life of, of loneliness. Um, and now those doors have closed. And, um, I, I think that's, I think that's a shame. So you know, I think so many, we've lost balance. You know, you used a term I use a lot. You talked to overcorrection. I think we're in the age of overcorrection on so many different issues mm -hmm. and it just needs to be brought back to that point of sanity. And I think it would help if people also just take a more mature approach with it, because whenever you even talk about these things, like we can do this long form in this type of conversation in person. And it helps if we tried to, if I attempt this conversation on social media, I immediately will have, so you're saying women should be forced into the kitchen and you're, you're saying women should be forced to do that. I, I'm like, mm -hmm. when did I say, <laughs> when, when have I said any of this? Right? I, I've never said anything about forcing this or forcing that or whatever. We're just trying to have a conversation about actually, okay, let's go back to the basics. You, we, we could go really back to the basics on a lot of this stuff. You could go around and interview a million 25-year-old women or 20-year-old women, a million 25-year-old men say, okay, you know, what do, What do you want in life? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? What are the things that concern you? What are the things you find out, find out what they say. And I, I would, I bet you, you're, you're going to get pretty standard responses. If, if people are being honest, right? I think as a woman, good. I can only take responsibility. And what I, what yeah. I try to teach women is that 
women have the greatest ability to heal mankind. Yes. We have the ability with our femininity to, mm. to bring peace and order. And we are the ones that you might go to war, but you go to war for us. For real. So I think that women, you know, I can't control what men do. Obviously that's, I'm only one side of the equation, but I believe that women have the ability to, to bring men back yes. where they have gone um, with, yes. with, Kindness, um, empathy, just appreciation. You know, there's so, there's so the, many things. The war know. needs to be ended. Yeah. Yes. The, the, this whole idea that men and women are supposed to be in conflict and competition versus cooperation mm -hmm. is asinine. And it's been pushed far too much over the last few years. Um, I think that's a problem. Um, and I, I think you're, you're totally right. And I think if you expand it beyond just you as an individual, I think women massively control men's behavior. <laughs> I don't know how many men would want to uh, <laughs> admit that, but I think all through human history in every Probably single 95%. country. percent. And you either use that for good or yes. you use that for evil. Yeah. I think one of the biggest lies of the feminist narrative is that through all of human history, women were just like totally in the background and they had no influence. <laughs> and like, I think that's all garbage. I think all of human history has been massively influenced, <laughs> massively influenced by women. Massively. You might not know all their names, <laughs> right? You might not be written about in all these books, but behind all of these men, whether they're soldiers or they're emperors or they're kings or whatever, mm -hmm. like there's surrounded by women and so many of the things that they're doing, good or bad, whatever it is, is fundamentally based around women and the propagation of their species and their tribes and man, women civilized men like crazy you can you can have a room of, of 12 guys all here you know, laughing and joking and talking crap and whatever one woman comes in the whole dynamic changes yep. another guy comes in the dynamic doesn't change no. he just jo joins in right <laughs> like whatever one woman comes in everything done the whole thing changes the whole dynamic changes and um you know i think a massive disservice has been done to women where it's, it's essentially been pushed to women that you need to be more like men mm -hmm. Instead of, hey, look, men and women are different. Yeah, there's a ton of overlap. We're all human beings. And the vast majority of tasks, both men and women are capable of doing generally, um, with a few exceptions. And that's good. Those differences are good. That polarity is good. You're not intended to be identical. If you were all identical, you wouldn't need two sexes. You just have one and we'd re reproduce asexually. Um, and I think the message has really been pushed like, hey, you need to compete with men in every single area. It, or it, men need to be more, become more like women, become more both. emotional, exactly. become, you know, go to therapy, become more emotive. And, mm. you know, I, some of the messages that I preach, right, are, are very much so rooted in like the Mars and Venus and the John Gray and kind of let's go back to what are the differences? How do men and women communicate differently? And for a while there, it, it was a nasty place for me on the internet. Mm. It was rough. And I thought, why, how is this again in America, especially and in the West, this is a luxury for us to think that we have, we can move away from that. So I was called, oh, I was called also. also were you attacked mainly from women, I presume? Yes, yes. mainly okay. from women, um, because people were thinking that, you know, what do you mean? We yeah. are very similar. What is this gender-based advice <laughs> that you're giving? You know, what, what does this mean? And I thought, wow, I can't believe that you, this is even a conversation. Do you know what's really interesting with that is 
Look, and I know it's a minority of angry people on the internet who get mad at these things. And I think it's important to remember that because it can sometimes seem like the whole world Everybody. is. Um, what's really interesting about it is even the people who say that stuff, even the people who uh, promote some of these ideas and so on, if you look at their real world behavior and the way that they really speak and the way that they really act in real life, they're still rooted in reality. Mm -hmm. Have you ever in real life like come across a situation where people don't assume other people's genders, right? Mm -hmm. Where like they wouldn't walk in a room and be like him, that guy over there. Mm -hmm. No, everyone, even the people who advocate all this pronoun stuff and you shouldn't assume gender and this and this, when it comes to the real world, they're, they're still just like, yeah, him, her, she, her, like they assume gender all of the time. When it comes to the people who are claiming that there's no physical difference between men and women, rah, 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 all of this stuff, it's still, oh, excuse me, sir, can you help me with my suitcase? Can you, mm. oh, I've got a flat tire, let me call a man. Oh, there's an issue, let me call a man. Like the most, as they say, there's no feminist in the house fire, mm -hmm. right? Like when stuff hits the fan, when there's some type of problems, like, let me get on the phone to some man who can help to protect me, defend me, lift the heavy object, whatever it is. So they themselves don't believe it. Mm -hmm. That's the crazy thing. Right. There's um, a tweet or a, a okay. video clip that went viral recently by, I don't know if you saw um, the divorce attorney who had rolled up sleeves. He's got tattoos all over. And he said, he said, feminism exists when a woman has to pay or fe feminism is wiped out when a woman has to pay alimony. Yeah. <laughs> or has to pay a meal bill. Yeah. 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 Like even, even again, even the people who are like, oh, it's equal. Those women still want the guy to pay the bill. Yeah. They still want the guy to open the door for them. They still, it's, it's so funny because I think it's often important to watch, you know, not just what people say, but like what they actually do mm -hmm. in real life. And I think it's so funny. It's like these things are just so ingrained that we, for the people who are there saying, oh yeah, males should be able to compete with females in sports and that's fair. And what they, it's weird because they know, they all know it's a lie. And I think the reason people even get triggered and bothered by these things is because, you know, I haven't seen these videos you were talking about putting up there, but I've learned very much that the truth offends people far more than lies. Mm. If you went out there and you were just like lying and you're just saying some complete nonsense, someone might be like, this is stupid, but it doesn't really like offend them at the core. Yeah. But if you say something which is people know that it's true, right? If I say all other things being equal, it's better for a child to have a mother, to be raised in a home with a mother and father who are married, yeah. right? Everyone knows that that is true. Everyone knows. And as a general, everyone knows it's true. Um, but that's the reason why it bother, why, why it'll offend someone. Because they, well, what about this situation? What about this? It's like, look, it, it, something can be generally true across millions or billions of people. And it doesn't mean they're, if I say men are stronger than women, they're like, oh, no, that's not true. I've got a friend who's stronger than, it doesn't mean, that statement doesn't mean every single man on earth is stronger than every single woman in the world. Right. And it's weird. We live in a very, I don't know if it's like just people want to play gotcha mm -hmm. or wanting to just create some storm on the internet or whatever it is, but it's like, people can't just accept a basic truth and then go, okay, cool. Like let's, what do we, what do we do that? This, this is just how it is. None of us are individually responsible for creating how biology functions. Mm -hmm. um, I did not make men taller and stronger than women. I did not make it that women are the sex that gets pregnant and gives birth and breastfeeds. I didn't, that, that's just how it is. This is reality. Um, you know, women live longer than men. Like there's all sorts of things. So it's just like, look, this is just how it is. And then it's like, okay, so what do we do with this? And I think all through human history, 
people were a lot better at just going, okay, this is, this is what it is. And what's the best way forward? Um, sometimes they got it right. Sometimes they got it wrong and so on. And the advantage we have as modern human beings is we've got thousands of years and all these different places and cultures and all this information. So we can just be like, cool, why don't we take and keep what works mm-hmm. and we can tweak and adjust and adapt to modern times and technology and opportunities and things like that without just breaking the entire machine. And, and I, I think, think there yeah. needs to be healing within the genders, right? Mm-hmm. Like you men need to hold other men accountable and us women also have to be able to teach younger women, you know, that your femininity is, is not bad. Your, no, these good. are the beautiful gifts that you bring to a yes. family and to a society and whether unfortunately within the female circle, there's kind of these tribes, right? Mm. So if you, if you know, you're anti-feminist, you're a feminist, or if you're a turf, or if you don't believe, I mean, I, all those things. So yeah. it's really, you really have to stand strong in your beliefs and, and heal and teach within the genders. Can I ask a question? Uh-huh. When you say heal, what do you mean? I mean that we have to teach for me as a woman, teaching women that just because a man is stronger than you, we don't have to aspire to that. Mm. We can be a beautiful person. We can show a man acceptance or give him appreciation. And that doesn't mean that that delineate, like that degrades our power as a woman mm. that actually gives us more power, but choosing to use that for good versus choosing that to use that for evil mm. or choosing that to bring a man down or, yes. or, or fight to knock him off his pedestal so that I will feel more power women need to understand that they have different strengths and that power is just different. Yes. So, so let me ask you this, maybe part of that healing, and you shared this a little bit earlier, and, and a lot of women here in America have this story. My mom struggled, right? My mom struggled because she was reliant on a man. That man died, okay? Uh, he left, he flaked out, he, his job ended, he committed suicide, right? A man failed, women have these trauma lessons that they've learned and women are passing down so many trauma lessons to their daughters now and their daughters are going out with trauma behaviors that they think are healthy behaviors a lot of them Mm. and i don't i I wonder if maybe that's part of the healing so i'm going to pitch this to you so we have talked about right specifying you do not want to put women back in cages (laughs) you don't want to do that um (laughs) men need to to step up at the same time and that bears saying because i know this is going to go on twitter x as it's called now and everywhere um men need to step up Women need to do that healing as well. We have a lot of options. We need to narrow those options. People need to come back from trauma issues, men and women. What do you see? Because this podcast is about practical applications, steps people can take maybe. So we're, we're wrapping up here. What do you think are some practical steps instead of waiting for the government to fix this problem for us? What are some things that people at home can start doing that they can take charge of their life right now? Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing I always recommend when, when asked that question, just, you, you just mean generally? Yeah. The first thing I always recommend to people is get in shape. Mm. Get, get your, the hardest thing in the, why do people think that they can control every other person and society and culture and politics and everything when they, they haven't even conquered their own mind and body, mm. right? So the reason I tell people to get in shape is because it's, it's hard. Mm. It's hard, but it's simple. And it's also all on you. It doesn't, the, the, the gym, <laughs> the nutrition, whatever, it doesn't care about your, it doesn't care about your gender, it doesn't care about your race, it doesn't care about your sexuality, your social status, your whatever, the weights weigh the same every time, one mile is always one mile, a calorie is always a calorie, it's totally agnostic to any type of identity label. And if you can conquer that, then it puts you in very good stead for everything else. 
Because you can take that same discipline, consistency, setting a plan, overcoming plateaus, beating challenges, right? Fighting, all of that stuff you can take into any other area of life, whether that's financial, it's relationships, it's your career, whatever it is, you can just take those same lessons and ideas and repeat them in a different field and you will have success. So that's the first thing I recommend to people. Um, beyond that, I would simply say, this is gonna sound, it might, it might sound a little trite, but do what you know that you should. Oh. I, I do think that most people know what they need to do, right? Most people know what they need to do and everyone's in that thing of like, I should do this, I wanna do that, I should do, do it. All those things that you know you should do, that you wanna do and they're gonna be good for you and they're gonna be good for your family and your people around you, your friends, do them. Be, be a man, be a woman of your word. If you're that person who says, oh, you know, I should, I, sh I, should, I should do that thing, I should start that, I should work that, I sh do it. You're, you're not gonna do it all in one day, but every single day, just have, people like having to-do lists. I think if you're gonna have a to-do list, have like one starred thing and have it today, I will absolutely do this thing. It doesn't need to be a gigantic task, but if you just inch forwards day by day, then when you look back over the course of six months, a year, a couple of years, then you'll be massively impressed by how far along things have come. I've learned in my life and in my career, everything that I've, you know, the things that I started when I was in my late teens or in my early twenties and I just chipped away at every single day and I just worked on, um, a decade plus later, they come, they blossom, they come to fruition and it's like, oh wow, um, that's where it is. So I don't, I don't want to overload my answer, but I think that's what it is. I'd say first thing, start with your physical fitness and your, get your, you know, your nutrition, your exercise, your, uh, you know, your daily lifestyle habits, what you're consuming, the things you're putting into your body, get that under control. Most people don't have that under control. Get those things under control um, and it will be transformative and it will also be massively inspiring to other people, you'll be, you'll be setting an example for other people, which is, which is important because everything is modeling, man. It really is. We're such social creatures. Everything we do is modeling. We see good models out there. We see mm -hmm. bad models mm -hmm. and we have the choice and free will to choose multiple times a day, not even just once, multiple times a day and throughout our whole lives. Okay. What is the thing I want to aspire towards? And I think that's actually the coolest thing about life. I think it's so cool. I think life is like this real world it's like a real world rpg cool i want to build up my strength stat i want to build my intelligence i want to grow my charisma i want to improve in this area whatever it is and you you can you've got these choices and these options open to you and it's like cool build your character and once you've built your character to a certain level then you get you get new powers right? you get new powers you get new skills you get new ability to influence people and go to cool places and do cool things and you can just keep on doing that, keep expanding and just keep on helping other people. And if we all just keep on helping other people in whichever way that we can with our different uh, God-given talents, then that's truly how we make a, the world a better place. It's not just grabbing some placards and going out on the street and screaming at each other. That's not gonna do much. Mm -hmm. But um, if we have these conversations and if in each of our individual lives, we do what we say we're gonna do and we actually try to model that and stick to it, then um, yeah, the more people who do that, the better. Fantastic, Zuby. Thank you so much. Okay, so I 
have watched you model all kinds of things for me, <laughs> and I am slowly becoming Zuby. I posted the, well the other day on Twitter. I said, "Hey, I'm going to get start getting fit. Let's go, and I'm going to get better." And I posted, "I'm going to look just like Zuby," and you posted back and said, "You're going to have to tan a lot," <laughs> and it's so true. So. Here's a couple things I want to ask you because your music, right? Your album Perseverance spoke to me deeply, right? Mm -hmm. I, would, I would listen to it in my car. I'd be grinding. And I'd say, okay, I need to go because Zuby is telling me to go. Sometimes, And sometimes that would be in my head. Like, he is doing it. I am going to go do it too. And it would be playing in my car I, as I'm working 16-hour shifts, and that would be going. Modeling, right? Perfect. How can our audience who has listened to what you said, how can our people here, how can they learn modeling from you? What do you have that they can listen wow. to? They can watch. Where can they find you? Because I want them all to see you every single day. I want them to have <laughs> your poster on their bedroom wall so that they can start being Zuby. Well, um, uh, I'm honored. I'm humbled. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm on everything. I'm on pretty much all social media, X, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Zuby Music. Z-U-B-Y Music, my weekly podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all the usual places. I have a book available called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. If you're trying to get in better shape, whether you're trying to build muscle, burn fat, just get fitter, whatever it is, that will that's helped thousands of people out and it can help you out as well. You can get that from uh, teamzuby.com. I've got a children's book called The Candy Calamity. You can get that at candycalamity.com. And um, if you go to my website, zubimusic.com, um, I do live events as well. I do both music performances and public speaking events all around the world at this point. And so if you just want to keep up to date with my schedule, then you can find me there. But um, I'm, I'm very easy to find, Zuby, Z-U-B-Y. If you've, if you've forgotten all that, just search Z-U-B-Y on whatever thing and you will find me. That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. Thank you, my friend. And man, dude, thanks for inviting me, man. I'm, I'm on, Honestly, I'm, I'm glad I've... Uh, I was talking about this before the camera started rolling. And when you are, when you, when you're a creative person or you're someone who is in this weird social media world and whatever, sometimes you have moments where you question the purpose of why you're doing it all. Why am I putting these podcasts and this music and is it really impacting people? Is it really affecting people? I know I have my goal and my mission, but sometimes you don't know the impact it's having on people. And so I'm honored for you to say that, you know, you've been following me for years and my music has helped you in a positive way and I've been able to inspire you. Um, Cause that's what, that's what keeps it all going, man. That's what keeps it all going. And as I said, we've all got different talents, yeah. different experiences, different personalities, and we can all help each other. I think people forget that people underestimate their own power, yeah. right? Just by sharing your story or sharing what you're learning or sharing a process that you're going through in a positive way, and putting it out there, which we can now all do. We didn't used to be able to do this. Now that we can do it, put it out there. You'll be you'll be surprised of how it, how it can help and how it can inspire and motivate people. So um, I hope that's one thing that I can model. That's all I do. I just I just put it out there, and I'm glad I can help people. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Zuby, thank you so much for joining us. And I think what you said was incredibly impactful, that sometimes we overcomplicate things, that we just need to go back to the basics and, and do what we know is right and do what we know that each of us genders fall into. And I think that we will be a much better society for it in the future. I know that we have definitely overcorrected, um, but I think that there's enough conversations that are happening like this, where people are waking up, people are you know, slowly but surely understanding 
where their natural place is and where we want to fall in line as a society and what makes us happy. That's what we want to get back to. So um, we'll find Zuby in the show notes. All of his links will be there. And thank you so much for joining us on I Wish You Knew. My name is Sarah Don Moore. This is Zuby and Adam Lane Smith. And you can find us all on YouTube and all of our socials will be linked in the show notes and in the description. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next one.